welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. As most of you know, um, we are, our motto as a church is gather, train, and send. So our job, one of the things that God has called us to do is to, to gather people, to teach them and train them to walk out the ministry that God has for your life. And when we say ministry, it doesn't necessarily mean being in ministry. You can be a carpenter or a plumber or electrician or working in HR or be a doctor or a nurse. God, that is your ministry. Most people don't consider, they only consider ministry what they call fivefold ministry, but ministry is your life. And, uh, and so I like to give opportunity to people. Um, ben is our associate pastor. He is skilled and talented and a phenomenal teacher. So um, I enjoy your guys' faith and pulling on him anytime he's up here. When, when someone stands behind this pulpit, it has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with the anointing. Does that make sense? Our, our job is to pull on what God has for us. If we come into church and we come into service expecting to hear from the Lord and relying on the Holy Spirit to speak through whoever is behind this pulpit. Because one day you might, I might just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, come up here and do this. And if you share, if you have a relationship with the Lord, he can speak through you. Now, we're not supposed to do that willy-nilly. I'm not saying that. Everyone can calm down. However, if our expectation is to hear from God, Kate just gave me a look like, please never call on me. <laughs> I saw that, Kate. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> now, I'm just writing her name down. <laughs> Your name just went up the list. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is so good, um, and he will equip us all to do that. So, so I appreciate your heart. Um, I, I want to pray over this service uh, before we move forward. I have something kind of on my heart. Uh, coming back from Romania, the Lord brought me a lot of clarification, revelation on some stuff. And I, I have a sense uh, to slow down this morning. And what I mean by that is I have a lot of notes, but I'm not going to try to get through all of them. We're just going to go as the Lord directs. And if this takes me a few weeks to get out, uh, I guess it'll give you a reason to come back. Amen. So why don't you reach your hands up this way? We'll pray. Um, Father, I, I thank you again. Um, for the ability to come and share. Lord, I know that you've put this word in my heart. I ask that you would speak through me this morning, that your Holy Spirit would give me the words to say and the right things to say and the right ways to say those things, Father. Uh, this wouldn't be revelation from, from Mike. It would be revelation from the Holy Spirit. I rely on you this morning. I'm pulling on you to speak through me, and I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I ask you for open hearts and open minds and a pull on your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and get them out because we will look at Scripture. This is a church after all, so we probably should do that. I heard no amens, but I'm assuming you guys are just agreeing in heart, right? Let me put my notes up here. Come on. Guess we'll do it this way. Okay, so... um, what, I'm, what I've decided to, uh, to title this message or series or whatever this turns into is Simply Believe. So if you're taking notes and you want to write something down, you can write that down. Um, and kind of how this came to, to be is uh, when, I, when we were in Romania, if, uh, I shared a lot uh, of, of what happened there last week. We shared some pictures of the amazing things that happened. But one of the things that, um, and I'll be super transparent with you this morning, um, one of the things that kind of, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I was just reminded of 
was how, how easy ministering and how easy our walk with the Lord is supposed to be. And the Lord was showing me in contrast of how we complicate that as humans. Does that make sense? So I want to title this message or series or whatever this turns into is Simply Believe. And so the first passage I want to take you to is we're going to read some of Hebrews 11. Um, a lot of us have spent time in this book. Uh, it talks a lot about faith. I'm not sure how far we'll get on this, this chapter here, but I just want to begin to read this. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Um, Nancy will put it up on the screen, and we'll start in verse 1, Nancy. You can tell I read this chapter a lot. <laughs> my page literally has fallen out of my Bible. <laughs> It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending, <clears throat> excuse me, him to by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and that he was not, and that he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he had, was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please him. So we're going to see multiple examples of people who had faith through all of Hebrews 11. I encourage you to read this um, in your own time because it's really good. But for the sake of time, I want to jump forward Yeah, to verse, uh, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stepped on the mouths of lions, or excuse me, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. There were, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, and they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated." of whom the world has not, was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these, through commending, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So Hebrews talks about what it means to be in faith. Um, and here's, here's what I want to do. I want to read a couple more verses, and then I want to talk about what it means to be in faith. But we see that in, in this passage that the word says that without faith it is impossible to please God. And then it gives us examples of what that means. He basically says all the stories of old that we have, all the stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament are depictions of men and women who had faith. And then he tells us this is how we must live. The righteous must live by faith, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I look at all the children and they're staring at me. Do they want to go to children's church? Okay, they can go to children's church. Thank you, Chris. Chris is like, you forgot one thing, Micah. I've been out of the country for a couple of weeks. You got to give me a break. Sorry, children. <laughs> I look up and all the kids are just looking at me like this. Like, is he going to let us go? Uh, excuse me for that. <laughs> Chris literally texted me. Hey, do you want to have kids church today? Not paying attention. Uh, thank you, Jesus. 
Uh, and actually, uh, this is a good segue because I'm about to talk to you about children. So Luke 18, 16, if you'll turn there. I want to talk about the, the Bible kind of faith, what it means to have faith as the Bible explains it. Luke 18, verse 16. I'm going to read it. We'll read it in this and then we'll read it in the Amplified. But Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And Amplified it says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter in. What does that mean to receive something like a child? Children, you know what children don't have? Great understanding. They don't have great knowledge. Some are smarter, I'm not, you know. But they don't have great human understanding. How could they? They haven't been around long enough. Children don't have large swaths of human understanding. In Matthew 18, verses 2 and, and 2 through 4, it says, He called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is a completely different passage, a completely different time of Jesus talking about the same thing. Why does he reference this so, so much? In Matthew 17, 20, it says, For truly I say to you, whoever has faith the size of a mustard seed will say to this mountain, Be removed, and it will be cast into the sea. I want to talk about what it means to simply believe this morning. When I was in Romania, we saw amazing things. Uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, we saw a woman who was crippled for two years get up and walk. We saw a girl with... Uh, an underdeveloped eardrum that was ringing her entire life get completely healed. We saw people with cysts and, and bleeding on their ovaries get healed. We saw amazing things. And what the Lord was showing me through that is that it, 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 it didn't take men and women with great faith. It took men and women with simple faith. Oftentimes, I feel like as, as we've grown up, some of us have grown up in the church, some of us, this is new to us, but... Uh, I feel like we want to increase in our ability to have faith. Does that make sense? And oftentimes we put so much weight in the understanding of faith. Like, oh, I, I'm beginning to have more faith because I'm beginning to grow. This, I'll, I'll put it to you simply because I'm a simple person. This is what God showed me. The Lord showed me these two boxes. When I say he showed me, I just, I'm not saying I had an open vision. This is just him talking to me in my heart. And on, on, on one side over here was this box, and it was beautiful and nice. It was a good size, and it, it was consistent, and it stayed. And this box represented simple faith, which means you believe Jesus is who he says he is. You believe that he would do what he said he'd do. Simply that. And on the other side was this box, and it was human understanding of faith, Okay? And as, as we grow older, this box gets bigger, but this one stays the same size. And what happens is humans, I, I think we do this subconsciously, we, do, we, we, we strive for understanding. I believe that this is a nature of God. God has given us great wisdom. But what we do is we put so much in this, in this box of human understanding of faith, it actually pushes us farther away from simple faith. Because oftentimes we, it grows and grows and grows and as we try to gleam understanding because we don't like not knowing things. We don't like not being able to explain things. We don't like, we want to be able to have a grasp on stuff because it makes us comfortable to be able to explain things. 
and we want to understand and gain understanding. But what happens is sometimes we walk too much in the world, in the realm of understanding. And we, and we pursue that, and we pursue these great degrees in, in theology and great degrees in science and understanding, and we push and we pursue, and this box of knowledge about faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then one day you actually need to have faith for something, and you're searching and swimming through your understanding, trying to grasp at what it means to have faith, but faith is simple. It's believing who, that Jesus is who he said he is, and believing he'd do what he said to do. This is why God's, Jesus said, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven if you don't come as a child. Children don't always have to understand something to know that it's true. Does that make sense? This is how we're supposed to approach faith. Does that make sense? The word says... Don't trust on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path, right? Lean not on your own understanding. So if you have great understanding of faith and you're relying on your own understanding of faith, do you have faith? What you have is understanding. You have understanding about a principle, but that doesn't mean you have the principle. Does that make sense? I can know how a quarterback is supposed to throw a ball 60 yards. I can know how it works. I can know the mechanics. But I cannot do that. I don't have the skill, right? I can know that it takes certain people with great intelligence to figure out the math equation and how much thrust is required on a NASA rocket. I can know that it takes things. I can know someone can even show me the formula and write it down for me, and I can say, yeah, I, I can see this. But that doesn't mean I have the understanding of it. I, I know of, of a principle that exists, but that doesn't mean I know the principle. Does that make sense? And what happens is our knowledge actually walks us out of having simple faith and into having large understanding. But we don't actually have faith. So I want to actually talk about what it means to have faith. I'm not trying to beat anyone up this morning. Like I said, this is something that the Lord was showing me when we were in Romania. And I'll, and I'll give you a couple examples. We were ministering in this park and uh, we have this little presentation we do. We gather these kids around and we do some games with them. Kids love it. We bring a clown with us, and, and they love this clown. His name is Bubbles, and he, he does some tricks, and he does some games, and then we begin to present the gospel. And in about seven minutes, we present the gospel to them. And at the end, we ask them if they would like to pray with us, and hands grow up all over the place, and we pray. And then we say, is there anyone that has any issues with their body? If you have any sickness or hurt, and people will raise their hands, and we say, okay, put your hands where the pain hurts, and they put the hands there, and then we pray Oh, 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 just a general prayer, and then people just start getting healed. People come up to it, and we test them. I used to have to wear these glasses. Now I don't. We walk 30 feet away and say, how many fingers are we holding up? And they can see them. You have so, I was talking to these three boys, and I began to tell them, you know, they were asking why we were there, and I began to tell them, and I said, is there anything going on with your body? He said, actually, I've had a lot of pain in my legs. I'm an athlete, and I've been training very heartily, and, and so I guess potassium was probably built up in his legs from all the training and, and tearing of muscles. And I said, well, let me pray for you, and Jesus will heal you. So I didn't, I didn't call down heaven. I didn't scream and shout. I didn't wait for a sign. I just said, I spoke to his legs, and I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And I spoke to some specific things that I felt like the Lord put in my heart. And I said, how does that feel? And he said, actually, that feels a lot better. I said, okay, well, you know, jump, bend, move. And so he did those things. He's like, wow, that's, this actually feels a lot better. And I said, well, Jesus just did that. And it gives me an open door to talk to him about salvation. And that was it. It took three minutes. It wasn't some great thing. Oftentimes, I feel like 
when we read about miracles and signs and wonders that we hear in the Bible and we think about how that would work for us, we put things into the realm of understanding. What I mean is like, is this. When we pray, we want the heavens to open. We want lightning to like come out of our fingertips. We want some great revelation. I'm being exaggeratory, but you know what I mean. We want some sign that God has moved. But that's, give me an example of when that happened to Jesus in the Bible. Because he's our example, right? Simply believe is, is actually that. There actually needs to be some reverence for the things of God and some things and understanding. I actually don't know. I don't know what powers a heart to pump. Does that make sense? Now, I can tell you that there's perfect timing in valves opening and closing that, that pump blood through your entire system. But I don't know what powers a heart. When did it start? Who started it? I can know that your brain has this amazing neurological map that's unseen. Do you realize that scientists can't, they can tell you, oh, well, this stuff is stored in this part of that brain, but they can't tell you the compartment. They can just tell you it's stored in there. This part of the brain controls this. But it, you have this amazing neurological map through your whole entire system. But when did the brain start firing? What's the power behind that? There's some wonder in that. It's actually pretty amazing. I don't know why some an animals have to have bones and some animals don't. I don't know why, I don't know why there's a thing that's called a duck-billed platypus and it lays an egg, right? I don't know why we have some, some invertebrates that lay live young. I don't know. Because we, we try to put these things into understanding, but we always find some kind of contradiction because there's amazing wonderment that God has built into this world. And in faith, there's supposed to be a little bit of that. We're supposed to know two things. One, that Jesus is actually who he said he is. No matter what you think happened, no matter what your lived experience is, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what church or person or someone abused you or hurt you or caused you pain, none of that actually matters in the realm of understanding. Faith is, did Jesus come to earth and live a perfect life as a man? Yes. Did he, through his own decision and leading by his father, give up his life for you so that you could have an eternal relationship with God? Yes. Did he, while he was on the earth, heal everyone that came to him and asked for healing? Yes. Is he still the same today as he was then? Yes. Did he give us the same authority and power that he has when he walked on the earth? Yes. That's what simple faith is. But what we do is we, we take what we've lived and what we have understanding of and we allow that to override what faith actually is. And I'm not saying you're doing it on purpose, but it's just part of, I mean, just live a little while, right? Go through some turmoil. Go, go through, this is what happens. Kids that don't know death and destruction when they're little, they don't know it. Not usually. That's not, I mean, that's why they have such innocence. But as you grow older, people die. Bad things happen. People get cancer. People have miscarriages. Kids, things that are unexplainable, it just it begins to happen. And, and slowly that wonder around faith and that wonder around belief starts to deteriorate because our increase of knowledge begins to happen. And we begin to have questions and we go, well, I don't, I don't know this. And we begin to, this is, the, this is I, I, I promise I'm not making fun of anyone, but I just hear me out. Has anyone ever said to you, how could God let this happen? 
How could a great and infinite God do this? And, and what happens is we are trying to understand something because they hear that God is good, but then they see death and destruction in the world. And, and what oftentimes as believers, we try to make excuses for God. And we try to explain things. First of all, you don't know enough. This is how the Lord told me, this is what the Lord told me to do. He said, never defend me. That's not your job. He said, no two things. One, the Bible says that Jesus came to give life and give it more abundantly. And two, the devil only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, you can explain that. If you try to get into the semantics of a specific situation, you're going to find yourself in trouble because we don't have all of the understanding. I don't know why there was wildfires in Hawaii. I don't know why hundreds of people lost their lives. Was that God's will? No, it was not. But that doesn't change my understanding and belief in who Jesus was. You realize that this is a plan of the enemy, right? He wants you to rely on your understanding of a situation to talk yourself out of belief. Well, I've seen too much to believe in a God. He, I think he's just a bully. I think he's a bully with a magnifying glass and we're all just ants to him. And I can understand why people have that perspective. And it hurts my heart that they do, but I can understand why people have that perspective because they try to understand. And if you spend your whole life trying to understand the mysteries of heaven, you're, you're not going to live a very fruitful life. I, I, again, I want to have balance in what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't pursue the word. I'm not saying don't pursue understanding of who God is. I'm saying pursue it, but I'm saying maintain the simple belief in who Jesus was. Don't allow human understanding and things you can learn in theological school, which is good. It's good to have good theology, but don't allow that to trump the simplicity of what Jesus did. He said, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you come to me as a child who has simple faith. The word faith, if you look it up, faith or faithful or faithfulness, is the, it, it, it equates to the word trustworthy. Or you could say faith is equal to the word trust. Okay? I trust that Jesus is who he said he is. And there's nothing you could do to convince me otherwise. I trust that he did what he said he did. And there's nothing you could do to convince me otherwise. For, I'll give you an example. If Buddy called me and said, hey man, I need your help moving this large amount of equipment on this day. Can you be here at six in the morning? And I say, yes, I can be there at six. Do you think Buddy has any question in his mind whether I'll be there at six or not? No. Why? Because I gave him my what? Word. Now, he could think to himself, I really wish Micah would show up at six tomorrow to help me with this equipment, but never ask me and never get my word. Would he know if I was going to show up? Yeah. Possibly, but probably not. I don't get up at six in the morning for a lot of people, but I would if Buddy asked me. The only way he can know for sure is if I give him my what? Word. And he can take me at my what? He can trust what I said. Now, not all people are this way, but Buddy and I have a relationship that if I told him yes, with every fiber of my being, I would honor that word. This is how we're supposed to treat our relationship with the Lord. I am not attesting myself to the Lord, so everyone calm down. I'm just giving you an example. If God says something, I have decided in my life that I will believe it. 
If I can find it in the Word and it's within context, regardless of my own understanding, regardless of my own lived experiences, regardless of other people's trauma or other people's hurt, or even regardless of what I wish the Word said, if I can read it in this book and it's within context, I choose to take it as fact, to take it as truth. And I will simply believe what he said. Now, I, I, have, I have felt in my life that I was this way. I have endeavored to be this way. But I, when we got to Romania, I was faced with how simple things really were. Children who, who have never even known that there were a Jesus. They didn't even know that he existed. They didn't know that they had a Savior. In five to seven minutes, I can explain who Jesus was and they can understand it believe it and ask Jesus in their heart and then they have an issue where I'm talking this girl had one leg shorter than the other she was four or five years old and we prayed and that leg grew out how does that happen it's Jesus I, I, I don't have any great ability to heal any more than you do but it's simply believing that when we prayed God was going to interact on their behalf Mike does that mean every time we pray people will be healed I've seen it not happen does that change who Jesus is? No. Does that change his word at all? No. I don't have all of the reasons why things don't happen, but I have the reasons why they do. Does that make sense? There's so many factors going on between individual growth and individual faith and an enemy who's trying to work again. And if you can try to explain and put everything in this box of understanding, you'll convince yourself that God isn't a good God. But you have to simply believe that he is who he said he is. This is what it means to have faith. This is what it means to have trust. And if I leave you with anything today, it's this. Tr trust him. And if you find yourself in a position of not knowing that you trust him, I'm not asking you to fake that. That doesn't do you any good. But the word says that faith comes by hearing the word. Trust comes by hearing the word hearing it spoken to you, hearing people preach about it, talk about it, hearing me share these testimonies. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Trust comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's the same thing. God's not asking you to believe in something unknown or unseen. He's asking you to trust in the relationship he has with you and that he would never leave you nor forsake you. That even though you've gone through hard stuff, which he's walked with you with, he's walked through it with you, even though you've seen some bad things and bad things have been done to you, and maybe you did some bad things in your life, doesn't change who he is, doesn't change his heart for you. He, he wants you to trust him. This is why it's so important to have a personal relationship with God, because how can you have trust in someone you don't know? Have you ever thought someone was kind of weird or kind of off, and then you met them and had a relationship with them and found out that you were wrong? People have that relationship with God. They don't trust him and he's bad or they think they've got problems, but they don't actually know him. But if you truly knew him, you'd, begin to, you'd be able to trust him because you know him. I could give a stranger my word and say, hey, I promise at 4.15 tonight, I'm going to bring you a sandwich. And they're like, that's really random, dude. I don't know why you're saying that. Probably get away from me. <laughs> Right? But if I told Ben that, I called Ben up and said, hey, I'm going to be at your house at 4.15 and I'm going to bring you a sandwich. He might say, okay, that's real weird, but I'll see you at 4.15. Or he might say, 
don't come today. <laughs> I'm, busy, I'm busy, right? But he could trust me because he knows me. That's what the point I'm trying to make. He could trust me because we have formed a relationship. And even at the very beginning of our relationship, he might not have trusted me wholeheartedly, but now he would trust me and I would trust Ben. I know for a fact that Ben will do what he says that he's going to do, right? As long as he remembers. <laughs> Just joking. He will always do what he tells me he's going to do, right? If, it, if it's important and it's good, he will, if he commits to it, I can trust him to do it because I have a relationship with him. But how, how could us as believers ask anyone to trust in a God that they don't know? This is why it's important for us to walk in relationship so we can live in relationship so people can see that. When we were in that prison in Romania, um, we, we went to this maximum security prison. Uh, everyone in this prison had a, it was, it was a minimum of a 20-year sentence up to life in prison. And these were murderers and rapists and, and embezzlers and people who committed crimes against the government or against the church and stuff like that. For the most part, pretty bad dudes. Maximum security prison. We were in there and we were sharing this gospel with them and we were talking with them and we, we played this music and the Holy Spirit just came in and, and filled that place. And every, at 47 guys that were in there, everyone gave their heart to Jesus. And when we were done with that, we were just asking if anyone questions. And this young man stands up and he says, how do I have joy like I see that you have? Now, the thing I found interesting about that moment is none of us were overtly happy. I actually, it's the similar, like, the way that I feel this morning is how I felt there. I'm not being overtly happy or joyful. I'm not even smiling a whole lot. But there was such a reverence of the Holy Spirit. He saw what God had put on us in relationship with him. This is how we all are supposed to be. Simply by being in relationship with the Father and believing what he said that he would do and trusting that it's real and just having simple faith, his joy is overflowed through us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It comes out of us by being in relationship with Him. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you scripture for this. I want you to look at faith as not something that you need to obtain, but as something that you already have. Okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's simple. It is believing that Jesus is, that God is who he said he is, and that he did and will do and still does what he said that he did and will do. And yeah, that covers that all of that. It's trusting him, okay? In all of scripture, Jesus said people had faith. Your faith made you whole. Go, the thing that you believe will make you whole. He said you have faith. He has said you have faith. Your faith has done this. Your faith has done that. You have this faith. You have that faith. He, he, only two times in all of Scripture did he say someone had great faith. Only twice. He told people they had faith, but only two times did he tell people that they had great faith, and these people weren't even saved. They weren't even believers. Or, they weren't Jewish. They weren't even followers. They weren't even his disciples. Would you like to read about these two people? The first one is in Matthew 8, starting in verse 5. I think if Jesus said someone had great faith, we should find out what that person was and did to find out why they said they have great faith. What did I say, Matthew 8 and 5? When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, and said, Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And said to him, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. 
But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy that you have come that you would come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to the other, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled. I don't know if you know how many times Jesus marveled at someone else in the word, but it was not very often. Jesus marveled and said to those following him, truly I tell you, that word truly, whenever you see that, that means he's saying for a fact. Not that people would doubt what Jesus said, knowing what we know now, but back then that he's like, listen, this is, if I'd ever been legit, I'm being legit now. <laughs> truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Other translations say, have I found such great faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness in the places where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the centurion said, oh, and he said to this, he, ooh, and to the centurion, he said, go and it will be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed in that moment. I want to point a few things out to you. Did the centurion soldier, he's a Roman, by the way, he did not practice the Jewish traditions. He didn't know of the Torah. He didn't know of the Pentateuch. He didn't, he didn't know the Jewish traditions. He actually had the least amount of understanding of what it meant to be godly. The Romans worshipped many gods, many different gods. They prayed to many different idols. He, he had probably some of the least amount of understanding of what it means to be a quote-unquote Christian. We don't even know that he's given his life to the Lord. We don't even know that he's been baptized. He's not, he's not Jewish. But Jesus said, you have great faith. The, man, the centurion soldier said, I too, meaning he recognized the authority that Jesus carried. He said, I'm also a man under authority. Therefore, I get to exercise the authority that's bestowed upon me. I can recognize that in you. So all that I need from you is your word. I don't need you to come. I'm not worthy that you would do that. First of all, that's a, a lot of humility. This is a message for a different day, but humility will take you great places as a believer. Just... Just take my word or study for yourself. He had great humility and said, I'm not even worthy that you would come into my house. All I need is your word because I recognize the authority that you carry because I'm also a man under authority. And I don't have to go do the things. I tell people to do them and I do them because I sit under a place of authority and I can exercise the authority that's bestowed upon me by the, my superiors. And he said, I recognize that on you. All I need is your word and whatever you say will be done. He had simple faith. He had next to no understanding other than hearing of the things that Jesus was doing. He saw, this is, a, this is an educated man of stature in the community. If you have people under, under you that serve you, you're doing well off. So he's not um, ignorant about who Jesus is. He's probably been hearing this names cried out in the street. He's probably been hearing the testimonies and stories of all the other soldiers who had seen things. And he's gained an understanding and he's watched and he's calculated. Otherwise, he wouldn't know that Jesus is under authority. This wasn't a random thing. This isn't the first time this man has seen or heard about Jesus. 
but he understood that Jesus had the ability to heal and that Jesus was under authority. He said, give me your word and I know that it will be done. And Jesus was, this is what Jesus marveled at, is his great humility and his great understanding in the simple fact that all he knew is all, all I need to know from you, Jesus, is just a word. If you say it, I know it'll be done. I trust it. I've seen what you're about. I know what you do. I believe all of it. And I don't need you to come or do anything. I simply need you to say the word and I know that it will be done. And it says that his servant was healed instantly. Because as soon as Jesus said, what you have believed for will be done, the servant was healed. Just a little bit down farther in Matthew, in Matthew 15, <clears throat> verses 21 through 28. This is the second example of where we seeing where Jesus told someone that they had great faith. And it was a Canaanite woman, or some people call them Syrophoenician woman. Now, something you need to know about the Canaanites, they were not Jewish. They were not believers. A lot of people actually considered them second-class citizens. People ridiculed them and made fun of them because they, they were considered unclean according to Jewish law. Okay? So you need to know that reading this story. Verse 21, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. I don't know if that's how you pronounce those, but that's what we're going with. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is Jesus saying, I came for the Jews. That's what he was sent for, okay? But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, Is it not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? So Jesus called this woman a dog. If you don't like that and you disagree with me, I'm just reading scripture, okay? Now understand that he's testing her here. She said, yes, Lord. She agreed with him. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And the daughter was healed instantly. Exact same wordage as the centurion shoulder. It was healed instantly. So I want to point a couple things out to you about this story. One, not a Jewish woman, does not practice the Jewish law, does not practice the Jewish traditions. She hadn't, as far as we know, she hadn't been baptized by John. We have no record of anything. She just was a woman of that area, okay? She was Canaanite. She was not a quote-unquote chosen person. But she'd heard about Jesus. She knew of Jesus because she'd been hearing the same things. She'd been hearing that he'd been healing people. She'd been seeing people probably who were sick and who were now healed. And she had trust in her heart knowing that if he would say it, that it would be done. And so he says, would you have mercy? My daughter has this devil, this demon inside of her. And he's like, I wasn't sent to you. I was sent to the Jews. She said, I, I understand that, but please help me. And he said, why would I give you something that's for these people? And he's basically called her a dog because, again, this, this wasn't uncommon verbiage for that time. Jesus didn't make this saying up. You understand me? This is how the Jewish people saw Canaanites. Everyone, everyone with me? He didn't just call her a dog to be rude. He's, it's, this is a cultural thing, okay? Whether you agree with it or not, it's in the scripture, okay? So just, we're reading it. And she said, 
you're right. Nevertheless, even the dogs eat from the tables. Even, and she's saying, if there's even just a little left over of what you carry, it's enough. That's what she's saying. Give them what they need. But if there's just a little crumb, if there's a little left over, that's enough. Because she had trust in who he was and what he said he did. And all she needed was his word. And instantly that girl who was oppressed by that demon, that demon was cast out. He, the girl wasn't even there. The devil was cast out by Jesus' word, not by laying on of hands. I know that goes against a lot of people's theology, but I'm reading scripture. Jesus, he didn't even say, devil, come out. He didn't say that. What did he say? How did he say it? Pull back up. He said, be it done for you as you desire. The thing you have asked has been done. He didn't say, devil, be gone. We'd seen him do that in scripture. That's not wrong to do. He didn't even address the girl or address the spirit oppressing the girl. He addressed the woman with faith because of her simplicity of mindset, understanding that Jesus is who he said he is and he'll do what he said he would do. And he said, woman, the thing that you have believed, be it done to you as you desire. What you have believed has been done. And she went. By having simple faith. Both of these examples of Jesus saying these people had great faith, neither one of them had understanding. They didn't understand Jewish traditions. They didn't understand the cleansing. They didn't understand how to be clean. They didn't understand how to be righteous. They didn't understand what laws to obey. They might have heard rumors of one thing or another, but this is not how they believed. But what they did know is who Jesus was. What they did understand is what Jesus did. And they knew if Jesus said it, that it would be done. They had great faith. They had great trust. Jesus said, these are the two examples of Jesus saying they had great faith. I, I encourage you to find yourself in that position. I realize there's been a lot of junk done in the name of the Lord. A lot of terrible atrocities have been proclaimed to be believers from the crusades to people abusing things now. And what I'm asking you is to set aside your experience and the trauma that you've had. I'm not saying don't deal with it. The Lord can heal you from that. But that needs to be set. You, you can't look at things of the word through your trauma and through your hurt and say, well, I know that the word says, says this, but my lived experience is this. You're, you're, that's the wrong to look at it. You need to approach it from, I have lived through a lot and it has hurt me. It has caused me pain. I've done bad things and bad things have been done to me. Nevertheless, that does not change who Jesus is and what he did and what he said I could do. When we were in Romania, all the, there was about 46 people who went and everyone kind of knew at least one other person on the trip except for this one young man named Sam. Two months ago, Sam was an addict. He'd been dealing with addic addiction to pills. Sam had a rough life. He's only ever met his dad a couple times. He's had a rough go of things since a young man. He's pretty much had to be the head of the household since he was a young boy. 
His mother has dealt with some stuff. His sister's been in and out of addiction. He's been in and out of addiction himself. And two months ago, he got clean. And John came to their church, the guy who runs the ministry that I was with, and, and said, we're going to go on this trip. And Sam said, I feel like I'm supposed to go. He didn't have some great revelation of God. He barely even has a relationship for whoever's his past, and he was struggling with different things and trying to see in the church. But addiction causes separation. But he had enough foresight to say, I need to go. And he went. So Sam was on my team, and there was about seven of us on this team. And when Sam prayed for people for healing, you know what happened? They got healed. Now, a lot of people would find that weird and say, well, how can Sam, who 90 days ago was getting high, was abusing prescription drugs, and now he's standing in Romania with me and other people, praying for people, and they're coming to Jesus and they're getting healed? Explain that to me. How is that possible? Because I know people who've been seeking the Lord and Scripture for 30, 40 years who don't think they have the capability to pray for someone, who don't have the confidence to do that because they're putting everything in the box of understanding and nothing in the box of simply believing. Sam had enough faith to simply believe that Jesus is who he said he is and he would do what he said he'd do, that he gave us that same exact authority here on earth. And was it uncomfortable for Sam? If he was standing here next to me, he would tell you, yes. In fact, he might not even stand next to me up here. But because he was asked and we had a little bit of training and we talked about how we did things, he said, I'm going to give it a shot. He said, what do I have to lose? And that's actually a pretty decent attitude to have. What's, what's the worst thing that can happen if you pray for someone who's sick? Well, they're not going to die because you prayed for them, but I understand what you're saying, Sue. The worst thing that can happen as a result of your prayer, I'll, I'll be more specific. No. Nothing, no change. They're already sick and hurt now. You praying for them is not going to make them more sick or more hurt. But what happens is we reason ourselves out of it. I don't know if I'm equipped enough. I don't know if I have enough faith. Do I really believe that that person is going to be healed? Okay, here's where I want, I want to say something to you, and I know this is people, just take this as it is. You don't need to have enough faith in knowing that they're going to be healed. You only have to have enough faith to believe that Jesus is who he said he is and he'd do what he said he'd do. In the scripture, he said, all you need is a faith the size of a mustard seed. It's pretty small. And what we do is we categorize our faith and we, we desire to have, I want to have more faith. I want to have more faith. I want, okay, measure that for me. What, how are you measuring this faith that you're desiring? What's your metric? Is it the amount of healings that happen by your hand? The amount of salvation? What's your metric for measuring your faith? Show it to me. Because everyone's striving to have, I want to have this great faith. I wanna, and I, people read the script in the Bible that says we go from from faith to faith, like, so, there's a, so we see that as an increase, but that doesn't happen by our doing anything. People want to measure it and say, I have, I have this great faith. I want to get this great faith. I want to have enough faith to do this. I want to have it. Okay, what's your measuring stick? Our job isn't to pursue. Jesus said, if you want to become great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to come, by a, come like a child. That's what Jesus said. He said, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet because he was the most humble. John the Baptist's entire ministry was predicated on lifting someone else's ministry up. And then when that ministry happened, John folded his. 
And Jesus said, if you want to be greater than John, you have to become the least. You, have to, you, have to, you don't have to have great faith. You have to have simple faith. I, I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings and say, don't strive for great faith. I, I understand, but I think, that that's not, I think that's the wrong label to put around it. I don't think you should strive for great faith. I think you should strive for simple faith. I'll, I'll put it to you like this. How much faith do you need to have to know that when you pray for someone, they're going to have healing? Give me a number. How much faith? I'm waiting. Seven? <laughs> Seven? How much faith? And I'm not saying this to make fun, or, but like one? That's a good answer, Sue. <laughs> what, how, like, I, I just am trying to walk us into just being intellectually honest. How, how much is enough? How much is, how much is too little? How about that? How much faith is too little for something to happen? And we can't, it's not, we're, do, we're thinking about this wrong. Faith is not supposed to be this thing that we measure by quantity. We measure it by simplicity. Einstein said, if you can't explain a principle simple enough, you don't know it well enough. And that mind was pretty smart. We don't need great faith, we need simple faith. Faith is trust. Simply, we believe that God is who he said he is. We believe that he sent his son and that his son is who he said he is. And then his son did all the things that he said and that we see that he did. And that when he left, he gave us the Holy Spirit and then he gave us the ability to do the exact same things. He said, greater things than these shall you see. And the reason why they can be greater is because we have cars. I can go to Romania. Jesus, his ministry was like 30 to 40 miles around where he was born, Right? That's like barely Springfield. You understand? Doesn't include Joplin. Maybe Harrison. Faith is not something that you need to strive for in great quantities. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this. The word says one of the spiritual gifts is great faith. But that comes when it's needed. That's nothing that you can acquire. That only comes by trusting and walking in a life of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So you can't strive for anything other than having simple faith. If this is making sense to you, if this seems too complicated for you, that's probably my fault for not explaining it very well. But what I'm trying to put to you this morning is that you don't need to strive for any greater faith than what you have now. You need to strive to have a simple belief and understand that Jesus is who he said he is and he'll do what he said he'll do. And that he gave you the exact same authority and ability to do the same thing. He said, go into all the world. Or, or if, you, if you started out, it, it should read, as you go about your life, as you go about your day, Spread the good news to everyone. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. That's what he told all of us to do. And we go, one day when I have enough faith, I'll do that. We read the go into all the world as a future tense verse. One day I'll go into all the world. Start with your backyard, try that. Start with your community. But don't make it a one day statement. It's supposed to be as you go about your life. Now it's not your job just to, to go into the woods and go into the fields and just try to heal everyone. This is why we have the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you're there to plant seeds. Sometimes you're there to water seeds. Sometimes you're there to reap the harvest. Does that make sense? Sometimes you're just supposed to encourage someone. Hey, God loves you. Here's 20 bucks. Thank you for great service today. I want you to know that God has it. You can never go wrong by telling anyone. I want you to know that God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your soul. And you are meant for more than how you feel right now. And if you pursue a relationship with him, you're going to see things that you couldn't even imagine. You're never wrong in saying that. You're always right in saying that sentence. 
You can shed hope and love to everyone you encounter simply by being who it is that God made you and having simple belief that he is who he said he is and he do what he said he do. I realize that that sounds like a broken record, but it's important for us to get to that place. It's not great faith, it's simple faith. The reason why he said the centurion soldier and the Can- soldier and the Canaanite woman had great faith is because they had simple faith. They knew nothing other than when people encountered Jesus, they got healed. That's the only thing they knew. Do you think they knew how it happened? Do you know how it happened? Do you know how that le- girl's leg was two, it was an inch longer than what it was when we got there? I don't. I don't know how that happens. How that girl's eardrum was too small and now it's the right size? I don't know how it happens. I don't know what has to happen on a molecular structure in order for that to happen. But what I know is, is God created legs and lungs and hearts and, and feet. He created them. And he's actually pretty good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. And he can very easily create a new one right there where they stand. And you might say, Micah, I just don't know if that's true. I understand you. I'm not trying to convince you, but I, I'm telling you, I watched it happen. What's really interesting is the first thing that happens after you see something like that happen, you literally go, did that really just happen? Were they faking before? Like what is, that girl's leg was literally shorter than the other one. That's hard to fake that. Okay, it's pretty hard to fake that. There's a woman who had been stuck in a bed for two years and now we're helping her walk across the room where she's fully extending her left leg and her hand that had been crumpled and up like this the entire time was there just opened. She stared at it and she was just doing this. She hadn't been able to open her hands within her own power in two years. How does that happen? Did I do some kind of crazy dance and quote scriptures for 25 minutes and try to convince her that the word says she could be healed? No. I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? She said, yes, I do. I said, okay, well, he heals, more, he heals just as much as he saves. I want to pray for you and you're going to receive your healing. And she said, okay. And so we prayed. And we said, okay, it's time to get up. And she said, I don't want to get up. I said, well, we're going to get up. She said, okay. So we got up and we started walking. And she started whining and complaining of how much it hurt. She said, take me back to my bed. So we did that. And right before she got back to her bed, she stopped and she started crying and screaming because her leg moved under her own power and it hadn't done that for two years. And she sat down and began to cry and weep and said, I've been crying out to God for an answer because I have a 14-year-old daughter who I'm supposed to take care of, but she's stuck changing my diapers and feeding me. And then she said, I want to walk again. So we said, okay, well, let's get up. And then she walked from one of the room and walked back. It was painful for her. That leg was atrophied. It hadn't moved in many years, but now it's moving. And then she sat down and began to share how much God loved her. And her hand just opens up. We didn't even talk about her hand. We were, we were focused on her walking. I didn't pray for her hand. I just, spoke to the, I just spoke to what was paralyzed and said, be healed. And her hand opened up. And then she began to pick up the groceries that we brought them in this poor village. And she had this smile of confidence come across her face because she realized she was no longer going to be bedridden the rest of her life, that Jesus healed her. And you'll never convince her otherwise. That didn't come because Micah has great faith. I had no idea what was going to happen when we walked into that shack. They said, hey, come in here. There's a woman in here needs prayer. I said, okay. I didn't take a moment and say, okay, Lord, give me great faith. I need to pray. I just prayed what I knew to pray. Is there people who could pray better than me? 100%. Are there people who know more scripture and quote more things and can claim more things? Absolutely. But it doesn't take great understanding. It takes simple faith. That's the core of our existence. That's the core of our relationship is simple faith in believing that Jesus is who he said he is and that he do what he said he do. Amen?
Let's stand up. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.